0: Welcome to PR 360, a weekly interview podcast dedicated to talking about the important topics within the public relations technology industry. Hosted by Brett Deister and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find out more information at globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR 360, and I'm your host, Brett Deister. We've got a great guest for you. This week, we have Ed Feingold, who has a diverse background that spans 20 years as a reporter, author, and digital startup leader, corporate communications director, and consultant. He's done a wide range of things in his 10-year as well. So, welcome to the show, Ed.
1: Thanks very much. Appreciate it.
0: So, first question, as I always ask my guests, because I am a huge coffee drinker, is are you a coffee or tea drinker?
1: Absolutely a coffee drinker. Do
0: you have any favorite Coffee's that you enjoy, or just enjoy everything?
1: Pretty simple. I think I'm a Dunkin' Donuts coffee guy. Try to get too fancy.
0: Ah, so you must be on the East Coast because on the West Coast it's Starbucks.
1: Grew up on the East Coast, but uh, live in Chicago now.
0: Ah, close-ish to it, but still more Midwest. Anyways, let's get on with it and to just about the story that you have. Tell us, listeners, about your unexpected hot and or viral story that you recently had.
1: So I thought of this because Mobile World Congress is supposed to be coming up next week. I think the jury's out on whether or not it's actually going to happen at this point. But it made me think of this story anyway, because last year at Mobile World Congress, at that point, I was actually still pulling an oar on a big ship as a media relations director, a global software company. And so go into an event like that with your message, with your customer announcements, you have your soldiers lined up. You know what you plan to do and and what you want to talk about and what you want your audiences to take away from that. So, you know, we went in with a message, not surprising. It was focused on digital transformation and on 5G. No surprise, at a Mobile World Congress. We didn't know that one of our customer announcements would give us a shot at the spotlight, though. So it's this huge event. And the customer announcement that we had that went crazy was Rakuten. What happened was that the foldable 5G phones were the big story going in, but that story kind of fell flat. They had the phones, it was almost like the Mona Lisa. They were in these glass-protected cases, and with a rope around it, you couldn't get close to it, and it was just a square. And I think the industry wasn't really that thrilled or impressed with these handsets that didn't really look all that much different than any other handsets. So there was some excitement about it going into the show, but it didn't really go anywhere. And so there was suddenly this news void and Rakuten, they came out with an announcement that was a little bigger than people expected, which was that they were the first non-telecom to build a mobile network, not just a mobile network, but a cloud native 5g ready mobile network. So it really hit all those big buzzwords at the event. And we had to move on it and we had to move very quickly on it. Cause we were announced that we were one of their suppliers, we were announcing our relationship with them and giving some detail around it. But at the show. You're jammed wall to wall with meetings. You're meeting with analysts. You're meeting with reporters. You go in prepared with a certain message. And it can be tough to stay on top of the news, much less to act on it. So here I am in in the midst of the event. Things are very, very chaotic. Looking at my phone between meetings, really trying to stay on top of what's happening in the news at the show. And I'm realizing, Rakuten, Rakuten, Rakuten. Hey, this is the hot story right now for all the other things that were going on, this was the one that seemed to pick up and and everybody was talking about. So we had to move on it. Unfortunately, going in, we had our agency back in the US on 24 hour call. So between meetings, I just picked up the phone and called my rep and said, listen, Rakuten's a huge story. Here's our spin on it. Here's our angle. One of our key goals at this show is to get more mainstream media attention, because usually we'd get a fair amount of industry media attention. But breaking through the wall into the mainstream media was not something that we always did. We weren't one of those really big name tech companies like Samsung. And so, you know, we got our agency working on it. And then that evening, I'm out for a team dinner actually. And we were about a pitcher of sangria in at that point. And I get a call that our Reuters reporter wants to talk to me and get a comment. So fortunately I was ready despite that. And I just had to provide some insight into what the Rakuten announcement was really about. And I did have a spin ready that was different than what they had announced. It wasn't repeating that and it wasn't repeating our press release. It was giving some insight to say, okay, so if you look at the subtext of this announcement, you know they're changing the model for mobility. And, and I won't get too far into the details of that, but really what they were doing was very different. And it was different from what you think of as a typical mobile network and really moving it more into sort of the Amazon web services world where you would have this, 5G ready cloud native mobile network that maybe it was going to be exposed via API and let developers come in and build applications on top of it and really be a different approach to mobility. And that's where I felt like the story was headed. I mean, that seemed to resonate with the reporter. So the next day, the Reuters story gets syndicated and it's in 20 or more major papers all over the world. My mom was thrilled because my name ended up in the New York Times. But for the company, you know, more importantly from a media relations. And an earned meteor perspective, it was just a huge win, but it just wasn't something that anyone had predicted because so much news drops at an event like that, especially at Mobile World Congress, maybe not this year, but typically so much news drops at a show like that. It's very hard to predict what's going to take off. You just have to kind of be ready to, to run with it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's an event. So I can imagine it's a busy time because I've done events before and it's just one of those things where you're just always on the go and you don't have time to at least come up with a good answer sometimes, but what did you guys do to keep that going? Cause pretty sure you wanted that good press to keep on going for as long as you could.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so as far as the event went, part of it is that luck comes from being prepared. So what is it? Chance favors the prepared mind, I guess is the truism. And so going into the event, because we were making that customer announcement there's things that go into that. So part of it is you're writing a press release, obviously. Um, but because it's a customer account and there's a story behind that press release that you need to know as a media relations director, you got to get close to your account people and the subject matter experts in your own company who really know the story behind the story. And you want to have personal relationships with those people and have their phone number so you can call them for more detail and make sure that you really are aware Of what's happening and make sure that you really know how to get any new information you might need. And also you have to pay attention to the the flow of the story as it's happening. So it's kind of a combination of both. Some of it is the preparation that we did up front. Some of it was just making sure to pay attention to where the dialogue was headed and kind of get ahead of it and then use all those factors to add something valuable to the conversation. And that's effectively what we did and it worked. But like I said, it was a lot of the preparation before the event to know the right people, know the story, know the subject matter, know all the trends that were important. So it's not just buzzwords in a press release, but what do those things really mean? So that when you are put on the spot to make some kind of a comment that adds to the story, you know what you're talking about.
0: Mm, Yes. Always be prepared. Seems like the Boy Scout motto is actually a pretty good motto all around. I agree. So what are some of the steps that you did to prepare for this? Because... You had a plan in place. What were the kind of the basic or the simple steps that you started off with to make sure that you had something ready?
1: Well, there were a few things in our favor. One of them was that we had cooperation from the client side. So Rakuten wanted to make a lot of noise at the show and they were participating in an event that was happening within the show with us. So that gave us an opportunity to partner with the client and have a good feel for how far we could go have an understanding that they wanted to talk about this, which gave us a little bit of license to get out there. Cause a lot of times when you're announcing customer wins at an event like that, the customer may be reluctant to say much. I mean, we had another customer announcement last year where it took a lot of arm twisting just to be able to say anything at all. And they had some, I think maybe some MNA or, or some legal issues that were going on where they wanted to be very, very careful about the amount of information that was put out, the kind of terminology that was used. And had news broken on that customer, we probably wouldn't have been able to say much more than what we had in our release wouldn't happened. So there was sort of that aspect of luck to it. In this case, we had a very good partnership, not just with the client from a, like a solution delivery perspective, but with their communications team as well. We had to be in touch with them. So I think also for them, like they knew what their activities were. I don't think that they expected that they'd be sort of the bell of the ball at Mobile World Congress either. But knowing that we had that relationship in place was not just useful for jumping on the story then, but it also gave us an immediate way to communicate coming out of the event, say, okay, how do we want to follow up on this? What other events do we want to do? What other earned media do we want to go after? What kinds of things can we say for all the follow-up media? And then what kind of basically paid content and paid media do we want to do or other coordinated events do we want to do out of this? And we did, and we really carried the story all the way now, starting in February Mobile World Congress and continue to tell chapters of that story all the way down through the fall. So again, that's all the partnership preparation and just knowing what you're talking about and understanding what you're contributing to the overall dialogue around the story in the industry.
0: So what I'm hearing is basically that relationships help, but also even making this story almost like a book because you also talked about chapters. So is that a good way of looking at messaging now is you have your relationships, but you also Want to look at as different types of quote unquote chapters
1: yeah i think so i mean i think at some point it's storytelling so how is it any different than releasing episodes of a show and in some cases that show might get binge viewed and in some cases it's week to week and you're you're keeping people on the edge of their seats wanting to know what happens next and i think that's part of the the overall storytelling strategy is understanding what you have knowing what's coming that you will be able to talk about and then two things. One, breaking it up in a way that you're telling a story arc, just like any novelist might, a sense of just basic story arc uh, and having a trajectory for that as much as you can, knowing where it's headed and timing that as the story evolves, especially with tech. I mean, because tech is changing all the time. So I think you can use that to your advantage and that you may always have something new to say or new to add on top of the story you already built. So you can do it sort of episodically in that way. As well, as you're going along and things get really hot and you start getting attention from a lot of different reporters that want a piece of the story, you also have to have things in reserve so that you can tell everybody something that's a little bit different. So I think each reporter gets some kind of a special nugget from you. And that obviously should be relevant to their audience as well as much as possible. You might tell a generalized IT outlet a slightly different story than you would someone that's focused on, let's say, like artificial intelligence versus someone that's more specifically a mobility publication, right? And you have to take those things into account. And then when you sit down with the reporters who ideally you have some kind of personal relationship with, or you might not, and you want to develop that rapport with them, if you can give them a little bit something special and it's expert and it's authentic, and it's not just what they're getting out of the press release, then that's, I think, how you build both the story and your own credibility as the storyteller or the story sharer to the media. So I think all of those things go into that process of telling a good story and then sustaining it over time and having people that will sustain it for you.
0: Yeah. I've been hearing from most other PR professionals as well as that personalization seems to be a big thing right now, or it's going to be a big thing if no one actually has figured out that personalization of your message is probably paramount to at least maintaining or getting a story out.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, I was a reporter for a long time and as a reporter, it's not news if you're saying the same thing as everybody else. Things have changed a little bit now to where I think there's more of a blur between what's factual news reporting versus what's analysis of that news versus what's pure opinion. And so if you're trying to tell a story where you're giving some extra insight or some other kind of more valuable takeaway, then you have to have something a little bit different to hang that on. And so I think as a communications director or as a media relations director, you're doing your constituency of reporters a big favor if you can give them that hook to run with. And obviously reporters have to do the job of their own storytelling and developing their own pieces. But I think it's really helpful to, to give them something a little bit different that isn't just the party line. And I, I think that also relates back to what we see in, in media and society in general, like in advertising, for example, where authenticity is a big thing right now. I think that applies here as well. You have to provide an authentic story. And if all you're doing is expecting people to regurgitate your press release, you're not really doing the job.
0: Yeah, it's very true. And also, what can derail momentum? Because we've seen sometimes where there's big stories and all of a sudden it falls apart really quickly and it becomes yesterday's news, basically. So what do you think can derail momentum? Is it not really having extra things to say besides what your press release says. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think maybe it's three different things. So one of them is obviously a major global event can happen and just knock the news cycle sideways. That can always happen and you can't control that. Right? So that's the, the category of things that you just cannot control. There's two other categories that you have more control over then. One of them is what you were just saying, which is that you can make sure that you're prepared and you know what your storylines are and you know how to keep feeding that out to reporters and to other stakeholders, you know, a little bit at a time in a way that's interesting and continues to follow the stories. And you do have some control over that. The third thing though, that will surprise people is your own management can stop a story dead. And the reason that that can happen is because what will happen sometimes is people get real excited about a story, especially if it's about a customer and folks from the management team, maybe coming at it from a sales perspective. If they're not people that have a lot of experience doing media, but they have a lot of experience building businesses and doing sales, then their minds are, may tend to gravitate towards things that work in a pitch meeting or that work in a sales setting. And they also want to pitch the product of the company. And so there can be a lot of pressure in the course of a story like this to say, Hey, let's talk about our products. Let's talk about how we're doing this for companies all over the world. And the message back is, well, you know, you're changing the story. You're not giving the reporter what they need to tell that story. And there's a more sophisticated way to do it. Not such an overt smash you over the head with my product way to do it. There's a way to talk about in the context of that client story. Well, what are you doing to enable this vision, which then you're furthering the story, but you're also touting the capabilities of your company and helping your brand. I think what can tend to happen is when management's putting a lot of pressure on someone to tell a story in a specific way and that's the way they want it. And you either don't feel like you can push back or you're not in the position to push back that can stop a story dead because what you start feeding out to the reporters then is irrelevant or it's the party line or it's stuff that they could just get off your website. That's not what they're interested in. They're interested in following and telling the story. So steer clear of buzzwords is what I'm hearing. I I mean, they have to be used the right way right? So some of it's buzzword stuff where I think buzzwords can serve a really good purpose. If you know what you're talking about, you understand that a buzzword represents a really big concept. If you're just throwing buzzwords out to make a buzzword salad, that doesn't really have a lot of value. I think it's more the side of marketing pitches or selling the product, talking about features and functionality, things that you might find on a data sheet, as opposed to things that make for a really for really good storytelling in the media. Those are two very, very different disciplines. One of them is marketing or product marketing. One of them is media relations. they are two different worlds. Not everybody necessarily understands that subtlety. And again, a lot of the people who are maybe coming out of management, maybe coming from a sales background or a technical sales background, and they understand all those bullet points. They don't necessarily understand the nuance of getting into the reporter's head and understanding how to help them to tell the story that they want to tell. That also helps to drive your brand if that makes sense.
0: It does. And how do you continue this hot or viral story? Does it take a combination of mix of different types of communication strategy, like doing a little bit of Facebook or social media in general, doing some video, doing some burn media, doing some press releases? How do you continue this story as long as you can continue it?
1: Yeah, I think it is that combination, right? So some of it is you're retelling the story, right? So one assumption is once you've got a good, solid base of earned media, reuse it. Now, if you're talking about your overall communication strategy, that earned media should be woven into paid media things that you're doing, into integrated digital marketing, into demand generation campaigns, because that's, to some degree, that's the point of it. I mean, it, it's really giving your, your brand a lot of third-party validation that you can then use to achieve some of your other goals from a marketing communications perspective which may just be raising awareness of a product that's in a case study. That's about this client that you got a ton of earned media about, and you're trying to get people to download it so you can capture their contact information. And so that's looking at the connections between all these different activities and being prepared to do that. Some of the continuation of the story is like we said before, adding new chapters. And I think a lot of that comes as mentioned with partnership with the client. I mean, that's an ideal situation. If you can partner with the client and they want you to tell the story, And you can coordinate with them and kind of get a heads up of what's coming next. Then there's that element of furthering the earned media part of it. And then the paid media part of it is similar where sometimes with paid media, because you have a lot of control over what's going to get printed or what's going to get published. And that will put a lot of the senior people who are worried about risk or worried about leaking something confidential or worried about giving away information to competitors. It'll put them at ease. So if you're doing a paid media thing and you might do like, hey, let's do a Q&A with the CEO that gets a little bit more into the story and and tells it from their perspective. Sometimes you can really get a good story out there that, again, kind of tells another chapter. And even though that's a paid media piece, it can actually be useful sometimes to journalists and to analysts to keep them briefed on what's going on and give them an opportunity to ask follow-up questions off of that that may trigger another chapter in the story. But reuse. Right. It's probably the bottom line is reuse, reuse, reuse in your paid media and in your Marcom's efforts. And if you have the opportunity to, to keep the story going on an earned media, on the earned media side, do it.
0: Yes. But would it also be reused wisely? Because you could over reuse.
1: For sure. Yeah. Right. There's a balance between the idea that you need to tell someone something seven times for them to remember it and them getting sick of hearing about it and tuning it out. And that, I think, just takes some degree of judgment. And same thing, it takes a certain degree of restraint where there may be a lot of pressure on you to overdo it, especially when you have folks that are really, really into selling and are used to doing things very in your face in that way. You definitely want to tone that back a little bit because it can just become obnoxious after a while. You know, you mentioned um, all the different channels, right? So social is a big channel. Um, Obviously things that you're publishing in earned media, you have your own corporate blog. You have advertising campaigns. You have demand generation campaigns where you may be producing thought leadership content. You have people from your company who are going out and speaking at different events and maybe want to provide some case study examples of things that you've done. So I think all of those different channels or vehicles or or media for repeating the story, that's useful, right? So you're using all those different channels, but you're putting slightly different variations of the same story, which again is validated into each one of those channels. And I think that's part of the challenge too is coordinating and aligning all of those different activities, especially if you're in a big company where you have different owners for all those different channels.
0: Are there any templates for these types of plans or plans or templates for doing this? Because we all love templates and plans because it helps us have some structure at least. Or I like it because I'm a content creator and templates are always good.
1: So interesting question because Is there a template for how you make a story go viral? I don't know that there is. I think there's a method for how you tell a good story. I mean, I certainly didn't invent it. (laughs) Right. So there's people named like Homer and Shakespeare and folks like that who show us the way. But in terms of a if anything is has a template around it or a structure around it, I think it's the way that you go about producing stories and then the way you go about distributing those stories, right? Or the way you go about producing content, and then the way you go about distributing that content. So that goes back to what I was saying before about part of it is having relationships and networking within your own company with all the people who are in the know so that you're capturing your raw source material. So in that sense, you're working as a reporter within your own company. You're bringing that back into your content production process, which should have a process around it. It should have an editorial calendar around it as much as it can. It certainly should have a production process that's defined. So you do things very efficiently and at a world-class level and in a very consistent manner that's obviously aligned with your brand. And then you should have obviously a plan for how you do all of your distribution around these things, which goes back to what you were saying before, social media channels, your blog, your media outreach, your advertising all those kinds of things. So I think all of that sort of thing should have structure to it. I mean, you, you want to have your act together so that you have a machine effectively to be able to crank these things out. But then it, it comes back to what we were saying before that I don't know that you can necessarily have a template for how do you see something that's happening and say, Hey, I, I understand there's a story behind this that we can tell. That's cool. And it's not what the engineers are saying. It's not even necessarily what the client's saying, but it's a combination of Those inputs, plus the timing of what the industry is talking about, plus maybe your past experience on how certain terms resonate with people or certain concepts resonate with the industry, pulling those threads together and then having that come out as a story. And I think that process is part of what you should be doing with your internal teams and then with your agency. So if you want to set your agency up to succeed, that's the piece that you need to do for them is getting all those pieces together, finding the story within the story, and then being able to communicate that to them in a way that says, okay, for all these topics that we want to message around, here's a way to pitch this in a sense that will resonate with reporters or resonate with analysts. And isn't again, just repeating what's on the website or what's in a press release, but goes that next step of really turning it into a story. I don't know if there's a template to that. I think that's a skill.
0: And thank you for listening in to Ed Feingold's part one interview. Part two shall be available next week on all the popular podcasting sites. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We hope you enjoy it and join us next week as we go through part two of Ed Feingold's interview. All right, guys, have a good week. See you next week.